The Guardian. As many people who have had COVID will know, making it through the initial infection is not always the end of the battle against the disease. In fact, nearly a third of people hospitalised from COVID-19 are readmitted for further treatments within four months of discharge, and one in eight patients die in the same period. Of those who had a mild illness, a significant number will have a range of ongoing symptoms. It's now well known that COVID can affect multiple organs, including the heart, and can cause people to develop cardiovascular conditions like abnormal heart rhythms, stiffening of the heart muscle tissue and blood clots. In an attempt to reduce the impact of cardiovascular damage from COVID-19, a UK-wide study is going to be looking at the impact of two drugs, a statin that is used to lower cholesterol and prevent heart disease, and a blood thinner that can lower the chance of having a dangerous clot. So today we're asking, how does the virus cause heart damage? The virus can directly be toxic to the cells or the units that form the heart, or the virus can infect blood vessels that supply oxygen and nutrients and can form clots, which can then affect the heart's health. I'm Nicola Davis, and this is Science Weekly. To get some insights into how the coronavirus affects our organs, and particularly the heart, we spoke to a researcher who's been studying this exact question. My name's Dr. Betty Rahman. I'm a senior academic cardiologist from the Radcliffe Department of Medicine, University of Oxford. I'm also a British Heart Foundation Transition uh, Intermediate Clinical Research Fellow. Betty, you've been studying the effects of COVID on the body. Uh, Tell us a bit about your work and how you came to be looking at this. SARS is responsible for this global pandemic, COVID-19. And the virus is quite interesting in that it not only affects the lungs, but has also been shown to have an affinity for other organs, such as a heart, liver, kidneys, and the brain. In fact, in patients who have moderate to severe infections, there are a number of studies that have shown that SARS-CoV-2, the infection can be associated with multi-organ injury. So with this background, we were curious to see if people would have ongoing damage to multiple vital organs and whether this would affect the way they would feel in the medium to long term. So Betty, we've seen some pretty shocking statistics recently that I think it's almost a third of people who've been in hospital with COVID end up back in hospital within four months uh, and around one in eight die. Do, Do we know what's causing people to become so ill after recovering from COVID? Is it is it the after effects of COVID itself or something else that's happening? There are many mechanisms that are suggested to play a role in the subacute phase of this infection. One possibility is that people have a risk of developing clots in the period beyond the acute infective phase. The second possibility is that people can have other infections complicating their viral infection. And the third possibility is a persistent inflammatory response that the body develops and that can cause collateral damage to the other organs. It has been suggested that out of the three causes that I've just mentioned, that the excessive clotting that is seen um, in patients uh, may be a predominant cause, but 
this is work in progress and there's more research that needs to be done in this space. You mentioned there a bit about how the coronavirus might have an impact beyond our lungs. You know, you talked about how it's been found to have an impact on other organs. Do we know how it can affect our cardiovascular system? You talked about inflammation and clotting and can you just talk me through that and also how it might affect the heart? The effects of the virus on the heart can be summarised in two ways. There have been a number of studies showing that the virus can directly be toxic to the cells or the units that form the heart, which are called cardiomyocytes. And there are studies that have shown that the infection itself can be associated with a diffuse inflammation or inflammatory response, which can indirectly affect the heart, or the virus can infect blood vessels that supply oxygen and nutrients and can form clots, which can then affect the heart's health. For a lot of people, it might be surprising that a respiratory virus, or what's thought of as a respiratory virus, can affect the heart. So how does that work? The virus is made up of four proteins, uh, which are essential for entry into the cell as well as replication within the cell. It uses a receptor or door on the cell to then enter the cell and replicate within the cell. And this receptor is quite ubiquitously expressed by cells in many organs of the body, but mostly in the heart. We believe that one mechanism by which the virus enters the cardiomyocyte or the heart cell is via the receptors. And then a number of pluripotent stem cell studies have shown that the virus then replicates within the cardiomyocytes and can be toxic to the apparatus, the cell apparatus within the um, heart cell. So the virus can enter the cells of the heart and can cause direct damage to the contractile proteins and the contractile apparatus within the cell. But what it could also do is it can affect the the cells that line the blood vessels and can interfere with the immune cells and can cause clots in the blood vessels that supply oxygen and nutrients to the muscle. So that's an indirect effect. And when it does that, there is a blockage of oxygen and nutrients to the heart muscle, and the heart muscle then dies. Another indirect way by which COVID can affect the heart is through the immune response that is mounted from the infection. So you have an army of defense cells that are released in the bloodstream, and these defense cells can cause damage indiscriminately. So it can cause the blood vessels to be leaky, and it can release proteins that are toxic to the heart. So that's an indirect way of how it can cause damage. Are there treatments that can tackle the direct damage to the heart that can be done by COVID? So we have not yet developed a treatment that can protect us from the direct effects. But I must say, in general, the cardiology community feel that the direct effects are not as severe when compared to the indirect effects. So a lot of pathology and autopsy studies have been done in patients who have succumbed to COVID-19. And in fact, Many of these studies did not report viral particles within the heart. So they actually believe that the damage being done to the heart is mostly indirect rather than direct. And that's why there's a shift of focus in treatments towards indirect pathways, such as clotting and inflammation. I'd like to talk a bit about the demographics of people who are affected by sort of cardiovascular issues related to COVID. Uh, is it sort of common amongst uh, those who've been hospitalised or are there particular groups? Does it affect women more than men or does it link to ethnicity in any way? 
the virus can affect both women and men equally. The thing that uh, has now surfaced is the severity of disease in the initial phase seems to be worse in men, and we know that mortality is higher in men. But when it comes to the long-term effects, women seem to be more susceptible, particularly ongoing symptoms, as explained by long COVID. In terms of long-term heart damage, we are still researching this area because at the moment we don't have enough data to uh, confidently say that there is a gender difference in cardiac outcomes. But it has been suggested that women are at a higher risk of autoimmune disease than men, and perhaps this predisposes them to a persistent inflammatory syndrome, which might explain their ongoing symptoms. Another hypothesis that has been put forward is the effects of um, estrogen. It is interesting to note that women who report ongoing symptoms tend to be in the perimenopausal period or even menopausal period, and, and it has been suggested that perhaps estrogen is protected and part of the reason why women are experiencing this in their middle age is because of a decline in in this hormone. A lot of people who've had COVID obviously haven't been admitted to hospital. They've had to manage their symptoms at home. I just wonder, are you seeing these kind of heart problems in that group of patients as well? Or is it mainly amongst those who had a really severe case and ended up in hospital? There is a study which assessed more than 100 patients on uh, magnetic resonance imaging, looking at the extent of uh, damage in multiple organs in people who are predominantly recovering at home. And this study did show some signs of heart damage in these people who are recovering from home. But equally, there are studies uh, in the United States um, and work done by people um, in London that suggest that those with milder infections tend not to have much in the way of serious damage to the heart, but they do still report symptoms, ongoing symptoms in keeping with long COVID, some of which do appear to coincide with heart-related symptoms, you know, such as breathlessness, fatigue, feeling dizzy. So from a symptom perspective, people may experience cardiac symptoms, but the majority of them actually um, don't have much in the way of damage when you look at MRI or uh, more sophisticated tests. For those who've had COVID and who might be living with the experience of long COVID, this all sounds a bit scary. What would your advice be for those who have got those after effects of COVID and are concerned about their health or even their heart in particular? The important message to people who are continuing to experience symptoms is to seek medical attention if the symptoms are quite disabling and it is severe enough because we still have the tools to exclude anything that might be life-threatening. And that's important because we know that there is a potential risk of developing clots in the subacute phase, for instance, but also be aware that we may not have all the answers for why you might be continuing to feel the way you do and that this is an area of active research and we medical community as well as our scientists working in this field are determined to find the mechanism and test different therapies to see which work. At Oxford we are leading a, a national study where we would like to understand the prevalence of multi-organ injury in people who are um, recovering from COVID-19. And when I say multi-organ injury, we're also looking at the heart. 
and we would like to see whether we can detect anything using sophisticated imaging and blood tests that could explain why people have ongoing symptoms, but also understand if there's persistent inflammation within the body, which people may not be aware of, which could potentially lead to chronic diseases in the future. So there are two important aspects that we are tackling at Oxford. There are researchers in Leicester studying nearly 10,000 patients across the UK who were admitted to hospital um, and who are now post-discharge. And they are also addressing similar questions uh, in particular, what are the mechanisms for ongoing symptoms and poor recovery in patients? The NIHR has also funded four large studies, and we are investigators in one of these studies led by UCL. Uh, And the aim of this study is to understand the mechanism for long COVID, but also distinguish the clusters within this large disease and find suitable treatment and targets for treatment in patients who are recovering from COVID. Thank you so much for joining us, Betty. It's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you, Nicola, for the invitation. Thanks again to Dr. Betty Rahman for joining us. If you would like to ask us a question about the science behind the pandemic, do email us at scienceweekly at theguardian.com. In the next couple of weeks, we're also going to be looking at the situation around reports of rare but serious blood clotting events in a small number of recipients of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine. So do keep an eye out for that on your podcast feed. In the meantime, there's lots of great coverage from myself and colleagues at theguardian.com, which we've put links to on the podcast webpage for today. That's it from this week. As always, stay safe and see you soon. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.